Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Yeah, and it's telling me some of the events that we're about to talk about, I feel like we maybe have talked about him before, or it sounds really hmm. familiar. I don't know. Just something something about it. It's just telling me. It's just yeah. it's happened before. I don't know where you get that vibe. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. To listen to this show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And we would love to take a moment to thank our spectacular tier patrons, Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, and Jason. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. Hey, Derek. Uh-huh. Last week at the end of our episode, I believe the last thing that was said was, uh-huh. it's bad. And here we yeah, are. Here's what, I'll, <laughs> here's what I'll say about this episode. Um, if you would like, go to either our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com, or look back in your podcast feed. Scroll back to episode 56, where we covered Dr. Yeah. Doom, Master of the World, from yeah. this 1981 Spider-Man show. It was the second episode mm-hmm. of this show. And listen to that episode. Uh, you're good. You really, I, I think that's episode. all you have to do. We've, we've covered I it already. Genuinely stopped like halfway through this episode and was like, this has to be a mistake. I have to be watching an episode I've already watched before. Like we've it talked sucks. about this. And so then I was like, did we talk about a different show that had this plot? No, we talked about this episode on this show already. It's, ugh. You can watch this on Disney Plus, but I I beg of you not to <laughs> watch the, <laughs> it is, the Doctor Doom Master of the World one. I feel like we were fine with that episode. Like it's we the had same, fun. The same issues the show like has, had but we had fun with it. Like yeah. we had fun with that episode. Like watch that one. This episode is literally a worse version of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's worse, a worse version less of it. Fun, like more boring version of it. Later in the season, yeah, it's stupid. This is not even much later. It's six episodes later. Six episodes. They did the same plot again. Come on. It's wild. It's not even a different season where they're like, oh, shoot, we got to like recycle some stuff. You know what I mean? Like, if that were the case, I would get it. But no, no. So this is Spider-Man 1981, uh, season one, episode eight. It's called The Doctor Prescribes Doom. Um, and this is not, I believe, not the last episode where we're going to see Doctor Doom. And now I'm terrified no. for whenever we see him again. Um, uh. Because, oh, my Lord. Anytime I see Doom in a title now for this particular show, I'm going to be worried. <laughs> 
The synopsis for, for Disney Plus is Doctor Doom returns to replace the world leaders with robots to rule the world. Original air date, October 31st, 1981. What a disappointing Halloween episode of a cartoon. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> I mean, here's what I'll say. You know, as the, as the, as the, the Disney Plus description acknowledges, he returns. You know, often I complain. A, a trope that I don't like in, like, TV and movies is sometimes sure. a character will come up with, like, a really – a plan that almost works and is just foiled at the last second. And sometimes it's sort of like, well, why don't you just like try that plan again, but like don't do the one mistake you did last time? Like, why do you only try things once? So I give Dr. Doom credit. He's just going to return to a plan that like did kind of work for a half second in that episode and just does it slightly differently. I mean, it's kind of galaxy brain thinking if you think about it, like... (laughs) But does it make a good TV show? Does That's it make a good TV show? Mm, no. <laughs> does definitely you know, does it's, not. It's the kind of thing that you could sort of do in a weird experimental way um, with, a, with a much better show, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Where you're like reusing footage and then recrafting it in certain ways to be like, oh shit, we've seen this before. That's not what this is. This is... Oh, shit. We've seen this before, haven't we? You know what I mean? And it's not even like, I mean, yeah, shows reuse footage and reuse characters. The 60s show, we haven't gotten to that point yet. But like once we get later into that show, there's some episodes that it's just painting over episodes they did before and like slightly changing it. What's but funny, Derek, is I'm not even good at identifying when a show does that most of the time. Mm-hmm. This one I was like genuinely confused because I thought I was watching an episode I'd already seen before. That's how obvious it doesn't seem like it was for the purposes of reusing footage either. Like they're reusing some of like the, the, you know, the backgrounds and stuff they had, Sure, but it's like, if, if they were just trying to recycle footage, like whatever, I would rather you do it in another season or a later episode. Sure. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Seven show did, uh, don't just space it out between six episodes, but it's like, they don't even try to cover it up. It's just the exact same plot with just like a couple of tweaks. And then they draw, they do new scenes, but like, they're not even like scenes that are, that like significantly different or better like it's just no. really bizarre it's really bizarre nope. it's bad it's bad um we get dr doom obviously uh here and dr doom i'm pretty certain is voiced by a guy named brad crandall in this and it's possible and i would say maybe even likely that he did voice dr doom in the first one we talked about and i said it was ralph james uh here's the thing though there are at least at least three different voice actors who are credited or um cited various places as voicing dr doom in this show and i know it's not just one person so who knows they're pretty much all radio dudes cut me some slack they all sound the same <laughs> um yeah and no I mean, one's crediting anything in a very good way uh they it says different things different places that's why you can justify doing the same dr doom episode over and over again because every time he's voiced by a different guy <laughs> potentially yep. maybe yep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And then I'm glad you pointed this out. Robbie Robertson is worth mentioning here. Um, I don't know since you since you noticed this. Did you want can, to talk about him? Yeah, yeah, I can talk about him. So um, the reason that I thought it was important to point him out, even though he's not a huge part of this episode, this is like the first animated appearance of Robbie Robertson. Like not in just in the show, but like period. He's not in the '67 show at all, and he doesn't appear in anything else, as far as I know, uh, before this show. So this is his first episode. Uh, in animation, which I think is important because he's obviously a major character in the yeah. comics and across adaptations and just for being like a black character in Spider-Man's cast, which, you know, at the time there weren't a ton of them. I think it's really, uh, really important and worth noting uh, that this is a pretty, pretty, you know, monumental kind of thing to happen with this character first appearing yeah. outside of the comics, essentially. Um 
uh, or in animation outside of the comics. He did technically appear uh, in the 1977 show, or at least the pilot for the live action uh, 77 Spider-Man show. He's in the pilot for it. Um, he is portrayed by Hilly Hicks and it's kind of like a younger version. He's a lot closer to Peter's age. So like this one is still interesting too. Not only is it's the, is it the first version of Robbie Robertson in animation, it's also kind of the first like comics accurate version of him since like mm-hmm. the 77 one was kind of a younger reinvention of him. This one is like, is the Robbie Robertson from the comics, right? Like he's an older guy. He's a little closer to Jonah's age, more on Jonah's level, more of an, of like a mentor figure to Peter. Like it's, it's a much more comics accurate version. And again, I think that's kind of an important thing to note just in the history of Spider-Man. Right. In terms of his voice actor, it's not as interesting. He's voiced by Lewis Bailey. Most of his credits that I could find were just from this show. Like he voices a bunch of other characters, I think, on this show in addition to Robbie Robertson. Uh, he also did some voices on Challenge of the Super Friends. That's honestly really about it. There are a number of folks on here that I think that sort of applies to where they were probably doing a lot of stuff and it's not really it wasn't tracked or they just weren't doing that much yeah. stuff. Like I think that really yeah. does apply to a lot of these cast members. Sure. Like Brad sure. Crandall, I didn't even say what he did because he barely did anything or at least anything that yeah. would have been recorded um, as like credits, you know? Right, right. Probably doing oh yeah, uncredited stuff or, or uncredited stuff, know, commercial work, theater radio dramas, theater, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. At a time when people weren't meticulously keeping a record of it. Right. Exactly. So. All right. Well, let's get into this one. I am going to be totally honest. I am not that excited to talk about this one. So everybody buckle up. We're probably going to go very quickly (laughs) please please let's do it (laughs) so this episode opens with a newspaper reading man being kidnapped and thrown into an acme laundry van only to seemingly be replaced with an identical newspaper reading man this is the thing that i was like oh interesting it is the only interesting thing that i think happens in this whole episode um and it's totally wasted on this episode so off the top i'm just gonna say could have been cool Totally wasted on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Nearby, Spider-Man remarks that his spider sense is tingling, probably because of the Acme van. It is passing by. But before he can investigate any further, a child drops her toy from a high-rise balcony and falls off as she reaches out for it. As expected, he saves her. It doesn't matter. It doesn't come up. We don't see them again. Um, And it's not even necessarily explained as like, oh, he didn't notice the van because this was happening. It's just a thing that happens. Um, I I just need to note the weirdness of it's not just that Spider-Man's like on a nearby building and sees this happen. He they this mother and child are on a patio and he's just like perched hanging out on someone else's patio right below yeah. them. Like for what? For why? Why are you there? Weird. Like I don't You're know. I mean, I would <laughs> right. Like personally, me personally, I wouldn't be mad if Spider-Man himself were chilling on my patio because that would be cool. However, I I I would be a little bit annoyed that he just like showed up without asking. Like yeah. it would be it would be a little weird and a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, it's a strange setting for him to be in, and it really is only there so that they can throw this child off of a balcony, um, which is a little bit weird. Yeah. So, pretty but really, he could have been on another building. I don't understand. And, sorry, move on. Have. It doesn't matter. I mean, they also could have just had her almost get hit by the van, which is like exactly what every other show would have done. So, I mean, I That's guess true. this is more creative, but whatever. Um, <laughs> they do pretty quickly establish that this kidnapping thing is going to be a plot point through the episode, which is why I felt pretty optimistic about it at first, because we cut to an apartment lobby where a woman who is called Ambassador Bashada by another character is waiting for an elevator. And when it opens, she sees a doppelganger of herself, like identical version of herself, reacts appropriately, is shocked uh, by this. 
and the same Acme laundry kidnapper, or at least somebody wearing the same uniform, uh, is also in the elevator. So she's pulled into the elevator, and presumably the imposter ambassador is the one that walks out. A doorman who sees this second version tells the ambassador that the UN Security Council meeting she is set to attend has changed its time to 10 o'clock, and that is when I started to deflate because it's a Doctor Doom episode at the UN. (laughs) Why is this guy obsessed with the UN? Why is this show obsessed with the UN? Like, try something else, dude. Come on. I don't know. (laughs) Don't know. Speaking of things I don't know and don't understand... Uh, we cut to Latveria, where a man is caught springing his father from Dr. Doom's dungeon. The father nearly escapes on horseback, but Doom's beautiful pink robots, who I'm happy to love see them. again. I do yeah, love we them. love them. So there are two good things in this episode. Um, capture both of them and capture them separately. And then that none of that is anything, right? We never see them No! Here's again. what's weird, Doug, and what worries me for a future Dr. Doom episode. I'm is that we'll sure see them he- again? In the opening sequence, isn't one of the things in the montage where there's, like, villains, the Green Goblin, and there's, like, a random bear running. One of the things you see in that sequence is, like, a dude who looks like this blonde-haired guy with, like, an open panel showing he's a robot, like, laying down asleep or something like that. Oh, so, great. like, Right. So I think we're going to get another Doom robot guy with this dude in it. And I don't think it's, like, they were trying to do serialization or whatever. I think it's just going to be a thing where they just do no, another Doctor Doom a- story and reuse his model. Yeah, this is just I, this is probably a Frankenstein episode. That probably almost everything in this episode was probably meant for something else. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's possible. Yeah, they maybe maybe they produced the you know another Doctor episode that aired later, but this one was produced earlier, or this one was produced after that one, and they just pulled assets from a couple of Doctor Doom episodes, cobbled them together into this one. I don't know. That's why I would love more behind the scenes stuff on, yeah. on on shows of this era, but that that is the kind of thing that would happen, right? Like you would do mm-hmm. clip shows, you would re you know you would. Re- reuse assets if you yeah if you think about it from that from that uh from that lens that this was a frankenstein episode where they piece together episodes from the un episode and some future episode that these latveria people come from potentially that's how you get this like boring like monster of nothing yeah Yeah, the type of thing that's that's like interesting trivia but is not rewarding at all to actually consume Mm -hmm. so absolutely absolutely So we saw these people. They don't matter. We cut inside to Doom's castle where Doom uses a finger gun ray and some sort of science <laughs> to turn a stone pillar into an exact <laughs> robot copy of the Secretary General of the United Nations. He claims that because he can do this, the world will soon be his. And once it is, he can do with it whatever he chooses. Sure. Yeah. Go off, King. I, I, I A few things of note here. I, I won't have that many notes later on, but um, front loading it here. The stone pillar thing, I think, is a very funny. I think it's so fucking weird. It like, should. Be. That's how you're representing. <laughs> that's how you're representing creating a robot is like shooting a beam at a stone pillar. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, I also love when Doom is talking about taking over the world, the way he sensually rubs that globe. It's so bizarre. It's so weird. He's like that. Like, I don't know what that kink is exactly, but that is some kind of fetish that he's into. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He is into that fucking globe. Here's the other. Here's the other little mini tangent I'll go on, because now that we have confirmed uh, that that the whole plan is, is, you know, replacing major figures with robot duplicates. 
We saw a very similar plot to this in my favorite Spider-Woman episode. Maybe our favorite. I don't want to speak for you, but at least my personal oh, favorite Spider-Woman episode. I think it's my favorite. I don't know what could possibly top it as right. my favorite Spider-Woman yeah. episode. So our favorite Spider-Woman episode, Games of Doom, which was about, you know, people creating and replacing robot duplicates of like Olympic Incredible. Uh, people. It's making me mad to robots, think about right? it because this one is so much worse. <laughs> It's so much worse. So it's a it's a very similar, you know, obviously the UN is a different setting, but it's still like important people replace them with robots. That's going to help you with your plan to take over the world. That that is the, essentially the story of that Spider-Woman episode, just yeah. without the amazing tiny guy inside of a regular size guy. You know, uh, um, I wish Dr. Doom was a tiny guy inside a regular size guy. If only. However, if only speaking of that, one of the guys who abducts people that's like in like the Acme laundry uniform. That's like one of Mm -hmm. Dr. Doom's lackeys looks very similar to Jacques Larod. Like it is, he's got the, the the curly hair, the angular face, the mustache. It is like a repeat of that character model. He's not French sadly, but it's, it's, it's so he's so similar to Jacques Larod. Not even just that dude, but like the idea of these sort of like jumpsuit wearing figures just like abducting people and replacing them like it's not even just that people are being replaced it's like happening the same way you know what i mean yeah yeah and god i know it just makes me want to watch that episode again an episode that mind you i've already seen like at least a dozen times at this point (laughs) i still want to watch that episode again still want to watch that episode again rather than continue with this one where i'm just seeing the fake jacques larod with the fake jacques larod plot doing it so much worse yeah I'd rather <laughs> no watch tiny guys to be seen in a row than watch this episode <laughs> a second time no tiny guys to be seen in this no. entire episode no. and that's Very the least of the reasons that this episode sucks <laughs> very bad very bad very bad yeah sorry to bring up a much better episode <laughs> no that's okay that is a okay i mean we need we need sunshine in these dark times you know mm-hmm. um well, we cut to the Daily Bugle. Betty's in this episode. That's fun, I guess. It doesn't really matter. Um, she finds Peter changing back in his civilian clothes in a broom closet. It's a thing that could have been fun in a more fun episode. Um, but ultimately, she just tells Peter, like, hey, Jameson's been looking for you. Um, and Peter's like, okay, great. Uh, also, there's this dance. I'm wondering if you want to go. And she's like, yeah, totally. Um, oh, so- I think I, I want to I frame that better, though, because I actually love that exchange because mm-hmm. Betty cuts him off. He doesn't even give her the details. <laughs> like, hey, Betty, this is <laughs> dance true. on campus. I'd love to pick me up at eight. See you later. And then she leaves. Yep. I'm like, Betty, yep. you don't even know that that's the time of the dance. I'm not sure if he even told you what day it is. Like, mm-hmm. no details. And she's like, yeah, it's- please. Like, she's been waiting for this moment. It's also the kind of thing that in a um, in a less whole some property would be like oh i i was actually bringing it up because i was wondering if you could pick up my jacket from the dry cleaning you know like it could have been like such a like uh horribly embarrassing moment yeah yeah. (laughs) but it's not it's very straightforward and it kind of ends exactly the way you would expect in a spider-man um show so yeah um so we we get a little betty though so i guess i can appreciate that sure when Peter does ultimately meet up with Jameson, he's given a new assignment, which is to get photos of Dr. Doom, the likes of whom Jameson claims the world needs more of, which is a big red flag and not the what worst the sentiment or belief that he has. Um, it's so like, weird. His name is Dr. Doom, JJ. What do you, and, and this is the second time he's tried to take over the world. And in that yeah. first episode we saw him in, it's clear he was an established supervillain. So what the fuck is this? Where is this coming from? I don't know. But JJ is not misunderstanding who Dr. Doom is or what he's about. Like, he knows that this is a tyrant. This is like one of those people who's like, yeah, but like, 
I don't know, like a dictatorship might be easier if you think about it. And you're like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Jesus. Um, it's like very like that the Nazis energy. Didn't, the Nazis had some good ideas, right? Like they weren't wrong about oh, everything, God. were they? Oh, it like hurts me to even hear someone say that in like a facetious, like, ugh. This, this episode you know is I mean? a full character assassination of yeah. J. Jonah Jameson. Like yeah. it's it really It has that bad. energy for sure. Yeah. 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 It's not good. Not good. <laughs> Jesus. But that's the assignment. So, like, that's how we get everybody to the United Nations. Um, sure. Everybody, including Betty, actually. So, Jameson, Betty, and Peter all go. I'm glad she's there. She's there. Sure. She's there to be, like, the one Antifa voice in that whole group. <laughs> yeah! Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she actually gets, a, like, the one good moment in this episode. So, yeah, I actually am very happy that Betty's there. Good point. <laughs> yeah, so they arrive there, as does that Acme Laundry van. Um, and on their way in, they pass a conspicuously large gem, which was an aspect of this episode that I don't think was needed. But we did not need it all. But not even a little bit. <laughs> not even a little bit. Um, and inside, Peter, of course, excuses himself uh, to set up a Spider-Man and set up an automatic camera so we can get some good pics. Jameson has a really horrendously bad line. Well, no, no, this is like he has multiple things. So first of all, he's a bad tipper. He like is like. Uh, the cabbie's like, whoa, you only tip me a dime. And Jameson's like, oh, I meant to tip him a nipple, nickel. Like, okay, so you're tip an asshole, nipple. first of all. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> tip him a nickel. A nickel. Thank you for catching that. I would have been mad if I listened back to this. And, uh, yeah. Um, tip him a nickel. I wish he, you know what? If he, if he tried to tip him a nipple, maybe that would have been a more interesting episode. Yeah. I don't know. So he's a bad tipper and an asshole about it, first of all. And then to make things so, 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 so much worse, he's a xenophobic piece of shit because he's in the fucking UN. It's This is the United Nations. The whole point of this, the whole point of the United Nations, whether you think that they're like useful or worthwhile or do anything or not, whatever you may think of the United Nations, the whole entire literal point is United Nations. You have multiple nations, people, multiple people from multiple nations coming together to hash shit out right that's the entire base reason for existing and he says and i quote the un wouldn't be a bad idea if it wasn't for all these foreigners what the fuck like why even include this in the episode i know they probably were just like oh it's a funny joke he's a curmudgeon and it's like Good lord, do you hate this character? <laughs> Seriously, like, yeah, like I get the joke construction of like, wow, it's so stupid yes. that he would say that because that's literally the point of the UN, right? Like everything I was spelling out, that's why it's a joke is because it's a full misunderstanding of what the UN is. I get that, totally. But like, it makes him like a xenophobic. It makes him xenophobic. It makes him racist. It makes him like everything yeah. bad, like and fundamentally stupid. Like yeah. it's real bad. Yeah. Not all jokes that are constructed technically correctly are jokes that need to be told. <laughs> you know what? They, this what is I one wish of they those. Had, <laughs> like, I wish that they hadn't included that at all. But if for some reason they really felt like they needed to, I wish that they'd given it to Jameson's nephew, like the shitty guy. Who's oh, like, who, yeah. I, what, I don't even remember what his name is. I don't either. Like, I don't think guy, I even wrote anything about him in these notes. <laughs> I mean, because he, he just like is there in the background and then like yeah. disappears. Like it doesn't matter. But like he was because he was in was it, it might have been the last Doctor Do episode. I think he was in maybe. Probably. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's why they included him because they're probably reusing footage with him in it. But he already sucks. He's known to suck. We're supposed to hate him. 
put that line in his mouth and then have Betty or Peter like roll their eyes or like fire, like tell him that he's stupid right. because of it. Like don't yeah. give this to Jameson, have no one react to it. Treat it like it's supposed to be like a funny, silly little punchline. Like, no, it's a character it's assassination gross. of Jameson and it's a bad mean, like mean spirited joke. It sucks. Hate it. <sighs> Hate it. So bad. So bad. <laughs> um yeah and whatever speaking of bad stuff i guess uh doom's security general robot exits that acme van and enters a van acme van not acme van acme van and enters the un cannot talk tonight whatsoever that's all right who cares but we could say gibberish for this episode and it would be fine that's good point we're doing the rest of this episode in simlish (laughs) simlish jesus (laughs) Well, the Security Council meeting does begin, and Dr. Doom addresses the assembly, and this is what he says. People of the world, I am Dr. Doom. Hear my words well. There is one answer to the world's problems. Leadership. My powerful leadership. With Dr. Doom, master of the world, there will be no more wars. No more hunger. All I demand is total obedience. There you go. Bomb drop. It's just dictatorship shit. (laughs) Great speech. (laughs) There won't be hunger because I decree you are not allowed to be hungry. It is illegal to be hungry. (laughs) Look, he knows what he wants. Uh, You know what? I appreciate him wearing it all on his sleeve. He's not trying to hide it. It's pretty clear. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) Um, So during Doom's speech, Jameson leaves to a meeting room. Uh, apparently arranged for a photo opportunity with himself and Dr. Doom, even though Dr. Doom is currently giving the speech. So I don't know what he thought was happening there, but he's going there, I guess. Um, Whatever. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. After a man lets him into the room, uh, the kidnapper enters with an Acme laundry cart. And, you know, there's some commotion and some yelling, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Presumably who we see exit is a robot Jameson. He's been replaced. That's all that matters. Yeah, they could have done something interesting where they like twisted and it wasn't actually robots, but they showed us a duplicate of that ambassador too early on to actually play on that, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. So we just we know they're all robots at this point. It's just they don't actually confirm it necessarily until later. Um, right. So back in the assembly chambers, a number of folks start chanting support for Dr. Doom. And at first you're like, oh, geez, God, these people really suck if they're like into this. <laughs> but then as they stand up and reveal who they are, who the chanters are, it's clear that they are all folks who who have been previously kidnapped and presumably replaced with robot clones. That I think is like clever-ish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then you get this ambassador from Bokland? Bokland? I don't know. Oh, it, I don't yeah, think it's a location ever used in any other Marvel property, which is par for the course for the cartoons. The cartoons kind of have their own geography yeah. for the most part. But this sure. ambassador from Bokland, Buckland, whatever, um, protests <laughs> to this. We've got our first Antifa king here. That That's a weird mm-hmm. phrase. That's oxymoronic. And... Uh, <laughs> you know it's funny i didn't even catch that when you said it though yeah (laughs) we've got our first antifa comrade here (laughs) um and doom responds by dropping ceiling rubble on him he just shoots the ceiling and is like i mean if you get crushed you get crushed i don't like what you have to say um deal with it because i'm in charge now he just yeah. assumes the role of master of the world and declares that newspapers and television are now illegal because that is where people would criticize him and criticizing him is illegal. So 
yeah. Cool. Again, I guess that's just the United Nations can just legally elect someone master of the world. That's a thing that can happen, apparently. It's it's wild, Derek, because you just posted a clip, I think, on our Instagram, uh-huh. Walloping Web Pod, that is from that first episode where we were talking yep. about how funny it was that Peter Parker believes that Doctor Doom could ever be elected legally as master of the world <laughs> by the by the United Nations by the United Nations and then they do it all over again <laughs> all over again all yeah. over again come on y'all Stupid. it wasn't even that good of a plot to begin with it was funny the one time yeah, like, it was kind like of ironically because it was silly like, silly yeah like you can't do it again it wasn't that good <laughs> no no this isn't greatest hits we're not doing that no no what a good hit thing i do like betty brant antifa queen antifa comrade <laughs> she's like fuck this no we're not doing this shit man like she stands up she's immediately in protest mode um and like does not back down to the point that he has to drop like a whole bunch of track lights on her to get her to stop to like get her to basically like jump away and almost like fall off of the balcony like she was she was in it to the end for this i oh, fucking yeah. love it betty brant rules she was going to die <laughs> to oppose fascism and i appreciate that good we need more of that energy not betty. that she would die but that that's the energy she has yeah Right. No, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The, the energy to be willing to die in favor of like protesting the fascist. I love yes, that. It's great. Yes. Good shit. Way more respect for uh, Brady Barrett than ever before. And I already liked her. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Spider-Man, of course, he's there. So he swings in to save her and then attempts to confront Doom. But when he does, the robots and probably some human fascists, too. I don't think every single person there is a robot. I'm sure some of them are just fascists. Uh, yeah, look as, around as we know, you. They exist. Many of them exist in the world, uh, especially the ones in power. Uh, mm-hmm. They all attempt to attack him. So he thwips away. Yes. So later at the Bugle, Jameson praises Peter's work and insists that Peter just call him Jonah instead of Mr. Jameson, which makes Peter, Betty, and Robbie all like, what the fuck is going on? They don't really go super far with that, but it is a thing that makes their eyebrow go up. Yeah. That af- I, 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 I have a question now yeah. that we're here, though. Sure. Like, <laughs> not that any of the logic in any of this episode makes sense, but like, so, Okay. What we last saw was Dr. Doom theoretically legally being appointed or elected or whatever master of the world, declaring that all this shit was illegal. Um, And then Spider-Man, you know, shows up, but like he has to leave. There is a scene of like Dr. Doom running away out of the room, which I found very funny. But like, as far as I know, all of that is still in place, right? Isn't he like technically currently master of the world and all of his laws should actually be in place right now? Like, or did Spider-Man somehow... Right. Shouldn't there be like martial law in America or has that stuff not been implemented? Like, is the government currently trying to like push back on that? Like the American government trying to push back on that, yeah, which, yeah, you know, yeah, they what would. does America have to say about this? <laughs> right. Like, but like, you know what I mean? Like, what's the yeah, state? No, totally. This is another thing that the show runs into all the time where it's like something pretty monumental happens. And then it's sort of like business as usual. And it's like, yeah. y'all aren't really even comp- commenting on what just happened. Like, is did, did he take over the world just now or not? I don't really know. Spider-Man didn't seem to actually thwart the attempt. So, well, What's happening right now? Yeah. No, that's a great point because technically, like, 
Peter, Betty, and Robbie are all criminals right now under Doom's right. law. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I and I understand, like, you know, I understand thinking too deeply and too realistically about it. But like, sh- I, I know that those things may, would like take time to be implemented. It's not like Doctor Doom is immediately going to like you but, know have the world under his wing. But it's but not even this that. Is a like, that's not what you're saying. Just like not even acknowledging it. Yeah. Like because the, the, and I think other shows would do this. I think even other shows of the era. I, I think of Spider Woman. I feel like Spider Woman comments on things that happen in the episode within the same episode. Right. So like they yeah. react to a news story or they. Or in, in their case, sometimes are writing the news story and reading their own right. news story, right? Um, but this one, it's not like Peter, Betty, and Robbie are in the moment talking about Doctor Doom and how like crazy the shit he's doing is, and then they're interrupted by Jameson. Like, no, they're just at the bugle doing bugle shit. Yeah, it's really bizarre. It's really bizarre. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, I think it's... this is an interesting pattern. Um, not interesting in yeah. a good way, but just like a point of interest um, to track because yeah. I think it is a much more widespread problem than I, I realized. Yeah. And it's not like this, this one scene was just written by like completely different people or whatever, because the Jameson thing obviously is only happening because it's playing into the Dr. Doom plot. So like, it's not like they forgot what was just happening. Like this scene exists to have the nice Jameson moment. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why, <laughs> what's happening? Where, what is the state of the world right now? I want to know. I don't know. I mean, we get, we don't really get a glimpse into it, but we do at least get a glimpse into the fact that like th- the stakes still exist, at least for our hero, because we do see sure. Peter cross paths with that ambassador from Buckland to be like, hey, dude, I want you to know, like, I'm with you. Like, I liked what you did in there. I like what you said about, you know, not liking fascism, and I'm down. So at the very least, like, we know that, like, that conversation is happening. But, like, it's really, I mean, this moment exists only to show us that the Buckland ambassador is also probably now a robot. Because his reaction to Peter saying this is like, what the fuck? Doctor Doom is great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, <sighs> okay. This is okay. This is I ugh, okay, we cut to class. And like I don't hate that this show sometimes has Peter just like go to class and have that be a thing that helps him solve a problem. I'm beginning to like accept it. I think it bothered me more a couple weeks ago. If it's a thing that's mm-hmm. going to happen, that's totally fine. He's in a class that is about like microchips um and microcircuitry and one of the things that the professor says is like and often they are used in robots and then Peter's like oh my god robots like that's it of course it's robots and it's a little bit funny he like makes a big scene everybody looks at him like he's you know being a total weirdo because he is and then he like mm-hmm. runs out of the classroom if they embrace that a little bit more I actually could be very into the sort of like Peter having revelations in class mm-hmm. um, but this is like the only moment of it we get in this in this episode so yeah maybe I'll make that Again. thing number three I like because it was kind of funny Sure. Uh, no, yeah, I think it was funny. Again, it's still very weird that they're just like having class when I when Dr. Doom uh-huh. over the world, but whatever. You know, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so he has this revelation that robots are involved. And so he suits up and he goes to Robbie, who is, as he says, the only one he can trust. For why? I don't know. But I also trust Robbie with my life. So it's fine. Sure. Of course. Um, absolutely. He lets Robbie know that the whole UN Security Council and Jameson have re- replaced by robots. Before Robbie can reply, though, two Acme laundry workers arrive and use some sort of gas, I guess, to disorient Spider-Man or at least distract him from being able to see things. So when Spider-Man tries to escape out the window, he actually ends up drop kicking Robbie out the window and Robbie falls dozens of stories, lands on the sidewalk below, 
where he shatters and catches on fire. Fucking wild. Which is a thing we see that Spider-Man does not see, which is actually important. Well, important's a strong word. But it is a thing that uh, matters a little bit later. Um, But ultimately, this is how we find out that Robbie Robertson also was replaced by robots. Or a robot. Yeah, this like plot line, it is a thing that I think makes this episode, in theory, more interesting. They don't do, obviously, nearly enough, if anything, with it whatsoever. It could whatsoever, be, because Peter literally this... said, you are the only one I can trust, and then we as the audience yeah. find out that it was not Robbie all along. That could yeah. be cool, and that could be fun. The who do I trust, and... who do I not trust, I can't be sure. But I think also like the death fake out thing where Spider-Man goes through almost the entire rest of the episode thinking that he accidentally murdered Robbie Robertson, who he calls his best friend in this moment. His best friend. (laughs) That's pretty fucking wild. And I I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to expect the show to go to the emotional depth of like what, how traumatic that is. I'm not asking for that at all, but But I do think it's it's, it's a a wild thing to include because it could be a really interesting through line. And the moments where it comes up where it's like Spider-Man is kind of doing this to seek revenge against what just happened to Robbie and like the guilt of that. Like the couple of times where he at least acknowledges that I'm sort of like, that's cool. That's not something we ever see on this show. I do think like a better show, even a cartoon for children, like where, you know, the audience knows that he was just a robot, but Spider-Man doesn't like, I think could have still gotten some drama and character out of that. Yeah. Like, I think that could, that's a really interesting idea. Um, they just, don't I think really so. I mean, imagine Robbie it. Damon delivering that yeah. realization and performance throughout the rest of the episode. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the best version of it is that you as an audience member, like don't see the robot real. Like you just see Robbie falling out of the window. Sure. And so like, you know, even if you think like they're not going to kill off Robbie, if you don't know for sure what happened, like you and Spider-Man living in that ambiguity or whatever is, is, is very compelling TV. Even if you know by the laws of children's cartoons, he's probably not dead. Right. Like that's the right. best version of it. But even the version of it where you see where you as an audience member immediately see that he's a robot who just literally, again, shatters on the ground, catches on fire. People on the street see this happen and are like, what the hell? Like, how traumatic must all of that have been? Mm-hmm. Uh, but putting all that aside, that still is an interesting through line to know that, oh, Spider-Man thinks that he accidentally kicked his best friend out of a window and killed him. That is very fucked Wait, up. Like, <laughs> didn't, didn't the Spider-Woman episode where she had a robot also have her robot fall out of a window and shatter on the ground? No, she didn't fall out of a window. Sp- she does shatter she on the shatter? ground. But Spider-Woman shot her with the Venom Blast is all. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was going to yeah. say, wow, this episode really did not just do Frankenstein, but like also straight up ripped off Spider-Woman a number of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that episode was from like, like less than three years after this one came out. Right. So two years after this, before this one came out. So, I yeah. mean, yeah. You know, they might have been aware of it. I, but, I bet but they yeah, were. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting through line in theory. They don't do enough with it. But, like, I, it is a point that I give in this episode's favor that it's there because it is something that's very different from anything else we've ever seen in the show. And it's not a thing that we really see that often in Spider-Man cartoons, period, about yeah. Peter having to carry that that guilt throughout the entire episode, yeah. you know? I, I give them a point, but I'm not going to add it to my list of things I like because I don't think they do anything cool with it. <laughs> sure, sure. I think that's totally fair. That's totally fair. But I think that falls in line with what we've said about a number of these episodes, which is like good ideas, but just like no idea what to do with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, back at his mansion that looks like a dingy laboratory on the inside, because it's probably actually meant to be a Latveria set, uh, Dr. Doom watches as his Acme laundry men kidnap Spider-Man. The laundry men wonder who's under Spider-Man's mask and end up trying to take it off, but end up webbed up as a result of doing so, which makes sense. That is a normal Spider-Man thing to to do, try to take the mask off and have it fail miserably. Spider-Man then thwips off when a third laundry man opens the door uh, to try to, to see what's going on. Seeing Spider-Man make a fool of his men, Doom decides to take care of Spider-Man himself because his henchmen aren't doing it right. Yes. So what's his method? Using an electrified force field, force field to weaken Spider-Man and force him to slip off the side of a building he was climbing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when Spidey lands in a fountain <laughs> below, the laundry men try to tr- retrieve him, but uh, when he doesn't emerge from the water, they split up to search for him. Shallow spider breath. Shallow spider. Yeah. Shallow spider breath. It really does come up a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. It's wild. It really it genuinely <laughs> is one of those things that I think was meant to be like a standard power that gets used frequently because it shows up in the comics too. Like it's not a cartoon specific thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. It's so funny. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, he still thinks that he killed Robbie. So he's like, I'm going to dedicate myself to learning everything I can about robots. Pretty heavy stuff, all in order to avenge Robbie's death. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that night, back at the United Nations, Doom instructs his secretary general robot to dispose of the guard outside and steal the conspicuously large gem, which he calls the Black Diamond. Uh, Sure. Does this ever come up? Does the Black Diamond ever come up again? I don't remember it it? coming up. I I don't think it does. He just steals it. He steals it because... I, there probably was a black diamond in another episode. So, black diamond in another episode that they were using as one. Honestly, <laughs> who cares? He steals a black diamond. There's a whole scene about it and none of it matters. So that's yeah, the thing that skip happens. This. So we <laughs> cut to the Parker residence and Peter exclaims that he's finally thought of a way to defeat Dr. Doom. But when he sneezes, Aunt May swoops in, of course, and forces him to eat some soup and to take a nap. When she leaves, though... He's not going to take a nap. He suits up and he thwips off and he ends up at his professor's house and explains his mysterious plan. This is one of those situations where he's like, I have a plan, but we are not going to find out what it is until the plan is actually carried out. Don't get excited. It's not a good plan. (laughs) It's very unsatisfying. You're going to be shocked at what his plan is. But shortly after, what we do get to see is that the professor gives him some sort of device. that just looks like a remote control. So that's somehow part of the plan. Sure. So as the sun is rising over New York, Spider-Man reads a bugle headline, Dr. Doom to address the entire world at noon today. The entire world! (laughs) Okay. Uh, He then notices a photo of a Latvian ship, which sparks an idea. What if all the folks who were replaced by robots were all being kept on Doom's ship? How did you come to that conclusion, Peter? That's, That's genius. Like, who... What a, really put those pieces together. No one would have ever thought that Doom's ship would have been used for Doom's plan. <laughs> you could have just investigated this just because. <laughs> yeah. I think that should have been the first thing that you did, really. Yeah, probably. His mansion, his ship. Yeah. Well, shockingly, his hunch is correct because uh, he shows up. All the people are there. 
Um, however, he is so fully convinced that he killed Robbie, which again, he kicked him out of a window and did not see the body and was right. like immediately kidnapped. So he never saw Robbie's body or anything. He just knows he kicked a guy out of a window. So when he sees Robbie there, uh, which we know that Robbie was replaced by a robot. So of course he's going to be there. He's like, no, Robbie, you here must be the robot for some reason. And then the way that he tries to prove it. I like this. This is oh, fucking stupid. I love yeah. this, actually. This He's is like, you're a robot. So weird. <laughs> it's so weird. So he shows up to Rob. He, th- he throws his hands on Robbie, rips the front of his shirt off. Like, it's not that he just like rips the buttons open, which would be like sexy enough. But like, yeah. he like <laughs> rips a- an entire like sheet of fabric from the front of Robbie's shirt, exposing yeah. his very non-robotic, very hairy human chest. Yeah. And he's like, I thought you were a robot. He says robot in the scene. I don't even think he did it earlier. Um, he starts saying robot all over this scene. Yeah. yeah. But either way, now we have a, a, sh- a like a-, a nearly shirtless or at least like tattered shirt exposed hairy chest Robbie yeah. just chilling while Spider-Man's just like, oh, I thought you were a robot. Yeah, this is the fourth thing I like and it has nothing to do with the episode. It just turns out that Robbie has an incredibly attractive chest. <laughs> it's hot, man. It's a hot hot moment, hot scene, funny and weird. I dig it. I'm into yeah. it. Yeah, more of that. <laughs> Robbie's- this show, not even necessarily because it's sexy, but like just that that energy, that sort of like mm-hmm. chaotic energy, like this show could use it. And Robbie's so nonchalant about it too. It's just like so you you get him not a robot, right? Like- yeah, perfect reaction. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Great. Good stuff. So, having confirmed the safety of the kidnapped folks, Spider-Man thwips off to confront Doctor Doom as Doom is giving his global address. So, Spider-Man lands on stage. He hits a button on this device from his professor, and so we get to see this incredible plan um, that took him all night of studying everything about robots to devise and the assistance of his robotics expert professor to devise in front of the whole world, which is to press the button and explode the robots. <laughs> thanks wow that's, i mean that's i mean it's not not impressive i mean i don't know how you managed to do that but it doesn't exactly like play very sexy on tv i'm very glad they <laughs> kept that secret from the audience so when it was deployed you could just be like your mind could just be blown you would just fall yeah. right out of your right just, out of your chairs watching it. i fell right out of my chair dude how'd you know wow i didn't like it was all there in front of me i can't believe i didn't see it coming yeah genius brilliant Press a button, they explode. Damn. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid. This 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 show needs to stop giving up on its solutions. And this is a problem I yeah. have with the 60s show as well. Come like, on. stop doing this. Stop giving up on the solution. Figure out the yeah. solution and work from there, if that's what you need to do. It's probably not ideal, yeah. but I'm sick of these, like, shitty solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Where are we at? So they're all exploded. Uh, having been bested, Dr. Doom claims that the last blast is on me. And then he explodes ah! because he was a robot. He was a robot the whole time. He was a robot the whole time. Uh, so, you know, he's totally fine. He's actually talking to himself as he flies away on a private jet out of the United States. So we can see him again for yeah. the third Dr. Doom appearance where the UN elects him master of the world somehow, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I do appreciate that there's this sort of like tier of villain that are just simply not allowed to be apprehended it's like dr doom Mm -hmm. magneto and kingpin like you you kind of expect that 
there's a, a high likelihood. It's not guaranteed, especially with Kingpin. It yeah. kind of goes either way. But like, there's a high likelihood that if they're in the episode, they're probably going to escape at the end. And like, that's mm-hmm. kind of fun. It doesn't do anything for this episode, but just generally speaking, I kind of like that idea. Yeah, I do too. I think it works. I think it, it makes yeah. sense that those would be the, the characters that would always get away. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah. the episode ends with Peter talking on the phone with an upset Betty because he missed the dance. And she asks, what could be more important than the dance? Dr. And- Doom took over the world, Betty. You were like st- protesting yeah. him in the fucking United Nations. Yeah, this is information he, like, that you made, have. He made television and newspapers illegal. And you were like yelling at him and almost died in protest, which is a fucking badass awesome moment. <laughs> what do you mean what could be more important than the dance? Yeah. And so what does Peter mean when he says you'd be surprised other than just they forgot Betty knows stuff? (laughs) I mean, the joke is supposed to be that he's looking at the severed head of Dr. Doom uh, and says you'd be surprised. But yeah, it makes no sense. It is. It makes no sense. It's stupid. Betty was the best part of this episode and they fucking ruined her right at the end. What are you doing? <sighs> bad episode bad episode stupid episode bad nobody episode. watch it let's say almost nothing more about it no that's fine i don't even the face of the episode is even that good it's just when Aunt may f- sticks the spoon of soup in peter's mouth it's kind of a funny face but it's yeah not even i think it's good. kind of funny i like a cross-eyed it's face fine. yeah that's fine that's yeah. it yeah this episode sucks it's really bad it's easily it's one really of the worst bad. episodes of television you and i have watched for all the it's reasons really that bad. aren't even fun like, I know we talked about this really a couple bad. weeks ago. MTV was an incredibly frustrating show to watch, but fun to talk about at times. This episode blows, and not in any any sort of good way. Yeah. Terrible. Very bad. Very bad. Hey, uh, join our Patreon. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> at Patreon. We watched this so you wouldn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash Wolfing Web Snappers. You can join us at any level. We got lots of uh, bonus content and some goodies there for you. So please support us that way and you'll get some cool stuff out of it. If you'd like to chat with us or other Wolfing Web Snappers listeners, you can check out our Discord. There's a link to that in the show notes. If you want to find us individually and all the stuff we're working on, where can we find you, Doug? You can find me on another podcast here on the Forehead Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast. We got lots of Pokemon stuff to talk about. And if you like books and video games, you can check me out on a podcast called Novel Gaming that I do with my friends Vicky and Katie, where we catch up on all the media we have been consuming lately. What about you, Derek? You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also listen to my podcast, Gimmicks, which looks at the high-concept, experimental, structure-breaking, gimmicky episodes of television. Uh, you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, or you can also find it on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. Check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we're watching every Pixar film chronologically. Currently, our most recent episode out right now is on Luca, and you can find that uh, on the Falling with Style feed wherever you get your podcasts podcasts uh just racing to get this to the end and finish so we can end this episode <laughs> you can do it uh, you, you can, can do it <laughs> visit us on our website wallhomewebsnappers.com for a full archive all of all of our episodes of falling with style and this podcast easy way to look up episode 56 and oh, listen to that one uh instead of this one um follow wallhome web snappers on twitter instagram and facebook at wallhome web pod or email us wallhome web snappers podcast at gmail.com and please rate review and subscribe to us on all podcast platforms that you use next week 
I gotta hope it's better because Spider-Man's going to the circus in an episode called Carnival of Crime. Like, I feel like just on that premise alone, it has to be better than this. But there's also there's also a slight chance it could be wildly offensive. We'll find out. (laughs) Oh no! Bye. (laughs) 